This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You know, <clears throat> keto puffs are not that good. You know, you get a little <laughs> snackeration, you bring it in, you know, and, and, and then, you know, you try to eat like the, the all right, non-sugared cereal snacks, okay? And you know what? They, they kind of cling to your teeth and they get in there and they kind of root around, you know, and you, you got to start picking the stuff out. And before I know it, the ninjas are yelling at me, we're back on the air and I'm trying to, you know, get some of the keto snackerations out of my teeth. Hello, Max. Yeah, I can, I can hear you. I can hear you, Wolf. I, I and, see what you're doing. And, you're ignoring me. Yeah. You're reading up on some stuff, and you're just ignoring me. I'm suffering I, I, I was trying with to keto get snacks in my teeth. I don't, but nobody told you to eat the keto snacks. I get they're healthy. I mean, go grab a pickle or something if you're trying to go low-cal. Um, yeah, it tastes like chalk. It tastes like, it tastes like finely packed sawdust you know uh just in a ball-like form uh I, I i i wouldn't eat them but i mean you know here's to your health if you found a way that you can get through that but yeah no there's nothing good about it. give me a regular cheese puff just get just eat four of them as opposed to eating a bag full of uh unflavored sawdust <laughs> Yes, exactly so. All right, let's open up the phone lines. It's 412-919-1316. We got Tim from Virginia. Tim, how you doing? You're in the locker room with me, with Max, with the ninjas. <laughs> you guys are hilarious. Wolf, my brother from the days of yore. Yes. I remember watching you when I was at skinny little practice player down at Lock Haven University watching Syracuse football every weekend. Wow. Um yeah, yeah. I was one of those guys who was on uh, on the roster. Had no number. Was down below number ninety nine because they carried one hundred and twenty of us. Oh but my I just goodness! Loved the game, and I loved watching you guys play up there. You played for McPherson, right? No, actually, before him, Frank Maloney, the guy before okay, Maloney. him. Maloney. Yeah. Right. All I know is I was in I was in the Carrier Dome probably before you were because I had a buddy whose dad was uh, a contractor in there. I got a tour of the Carrier. Well. Oh, where'd he go, Tim? The Steelers. Oh, there yeah. you are. We lost you for a yeah. moment. Say that again. Okay. You were in the Carrier Dome, and what happened? Yeah, well, I got a tour of it. Uh, oh, all right. Graduated. You were you already with the Steelers in '80. Yeah. Yeah. How about the fact when you go through that turnstile door, and it's like if you had a toupee, it'd like blow it right off your head. <laughs> you the know? suction, the suction actually, the suction actually blew me back <laughs> when I did it. Yeah. Thank goodness, you know, it's a revolving door. There was a door behind me. Otherwise, I'd have been on my tuchus. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Max, Max, uh, the best down block in Super Bowl history in, in Super Bowl Forty when you sealed off that linebacker that sprung Willie Parker on that uh, – and when Fanica kicked that defensive end out on that, uh, that play. That that was the best down block in Super Bowl history. I'll, I'll I, I dare anybody to put up another one on film that was better than that. You know what? Thank you. And you know nobody can, nobody can because the per it was a perfect storm at that moment. You know, once once Hines went in motion, and you saw the entire secondary over rotate to account for Hines because they were, I don't know what they thought and what they did in film study. But they just knew, okay, Hines is going to get the ball. And you saw both safeties over-rotate, and 
I was just like, dude, Lofa Tatupu is the only one left over here. Like, <laughs> if, I, if I get this block, if I get Lofa, I don't know what could happen, but it's going to be good. And boy, oh boy, did, 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 did I not know that it would have been the 76-yarder that still stands as a record it was it was amazing so no thank you very much and i'm a i was a very happy camper in that moment that uh i was able to seal that block off and not, and not get duped by uh by tatupu who was also my classmate from the class of 2004 Whoa. So I, I, it was a happy moment <laughs> <laughs> well yeah all six foot eight 320 pounds if you just engulfed them i mean it was a great block uh also yeah. that year in in um training camp we came up to visit you uh, held my daughter and got a picture taken with her. She was eight years old. And after she was done being held by you, she said, Daddy, that's the highest I've ever been being held by anybody. <laughs> that's <laughs> tremendous. Now, how old that's is awesome. she now? How old she's is 24. She? She's actually 24, and she's a PA student down at uh, a school called Lincoln Memorial uh, University in Tennessee. So she's going into the medical field. But she still remembers that. And she has uh, we have the uh, pendant that you and Marvell Smith both signed in my den down, in my Steeler den. All right. Down in, the, oh, yeah, down in uh, our basement. Awesome. So, Those are good memories, yeah, she, brother. I like oh, that. <laughs> For both of you, but hey, can I get? I, I just want to go because I know there are other callers. I just want to go down a real quick laundry list um, from a Sunday. Uh, the officials called in that game. Uh, they called Chooks for being too deep in the backfield on that on one, and it actually, I think, it robbed us of a first down. Uh, you know, the tackles are kicked back like that all the time. That crew, they make mention before the game that that crew was. Uh, they tried to be nice with it, but basically they're over-officious. I mean, completely over-officious. And they called him for being too deep in the backfield. Tackles lined up like that all the time, and that's never called. The other one, uh, the defensive holding call, I think it was on Bugsy. Uh, yeah. He's being double-teamed. Yeah. And I know, hey, I've coached from a few years of my life. I know that sometimes we tell our linemen to grab – no, really? When they're zoned. When no. They're zoning, clutch. You know? Clutch. Clutch is the word. How do you do that when you're getting double teamed? First of all, when you're getting double teamed, you want to grab one guy and try and step through. That's one technique on defeating a double team. But that one befuddled me also. I mean, do you guys have any insight to those two calls? So so I, I, I have an insight on the defensive holding one. Um you know, being right there on the sidelines and then seeing the the big screen replay in the stadium, um, you could see. I mean, it was clear to to the uh, to the uh, to the umpire that once the lineman had disengaged and got past Bugs, Bugs still had his hand fully extended across his chest plate, covering his numbers, and you could see his hand on the inside of the armpit of his jersey. So for the umpire. You see that, and you're saying that he's restricting that guy from going up to the linebacker. It's a pretty easy call from that angle, and the camera angle just happened to be perfect to show it. But you could see the arm bar. Because I know when we do it, when we're holding a guy across <laughs> and the referee sees it, because the referee's behind us, he sees that arm bar, he throws it immediately. Right. Um, so for the umpire to see it, and it was like a perfect window at that moment, he saw it, and that's why he threw it. I mean – you know, you could call it probably every other play in the league, 
but in that moment i'm like it was clear as day you know it's just it's just like it's just like a sun ray piercing through clouds like i mean you're like okay i can't not throw that one but so the it one was about chooks yeah <laughs> yeah that one was legit now the lined up in the backfield you have to you, your helmet must break the 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 belt line of the center which is hilarious cuz i don't even think they wear belts anymore but no. that's still the way that they they call it um it must break his hip but you know that's one where it's like are you serious i mean cuz if i'm in a three point i'm breaking the hip for sure but if i go to a two point you know now i have to step up another half step when i'm used to lining up this way that's one where i feel like it's arguable it's different if he's lined up like a wing back you know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. off the off the hip of the guard. I mean, that's ticky tacky, and it, it's a very stupid rule. But I think the reason why they called it was because of all the mo- pre-snap motion and guys realigning and resetting on sides. It was a, it was an easy lazy call to make. Well, here's the other thing too. You also have a very quick individual out there by the name of Jadavian Clowney, who uh, tends to get up the field pretty quick. So you're going to be back a little bit as much as you can get. And sometimes you overestimate how far back you can get. Normally, the referees warn you. At least back in my day, they would warn you and say, hey, you're getting back a little too far. You know? Yeah. I mean, the wide receivers, they point to the referee at the line of scrimmage, and the referee will tell them if you're up on the line of scrimmage enough or, you know, too close. Um, so I would have thought, like, a little warning would have been nice enough. You know what I mean? Just a little fair warning that would have been good. Yeah, yeah, I think just, they were just nitpicking too much there. I mean, especially the way the wide receivers line up half the time. Look, half the time it looks like if they're out in a twins, you know, and the number one receiver, you know, close to the sideline is on the line of scrimmage, and that number two, he's a lot of times almost even with him. It almost looks like the number one is cumbering up the number two, and they never call that. Yeah. I mean, I think they yeah. were just looking for for stuff. It was over officious, you know. That's but, what um, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the defensive line play was tremendous the other day. And what I noticed is pre-snap, right before the snap, they were stemming. Do you think that that really bothered the Browns and their blocking schemes and, and gave the Steelers an advantage up front? Not in my mind. The biggest thing that bothered the Browns in, in that sort of affair was the fact that you watch the Steelers line – they were great in locking out, holding their position, and not being overly aggressive. You know, I was making this point. I was writing for an article for Jim Wexel's website. And one of the things that, you know, you go, I, and I'm a, I'm a, a fan of ancient uh, warriors and stuff like that. I like to read history and stuff. And uh, you, you read about the, the ancient Vikings, and they were known as the berserkers. You know, they would just get, they'd have some uh, ritualistic stuff and use some, Stuff, uh, you know, get themselves into the right proper frame of mind if you're going to go out uh, pillaging and so forth. So, you know, you, you they would get out of their minds, literally, right? Well, you can't get out of your mind. You've got to play controlled and defensively. Yeah, you can get out there a little bit more than an offensive line. you got to stay disciplined in what you're doing. But the fact of the matter was they stayed disciplined and didn't try to do too much. If you go back to the Green Bay Packer postgame game interview uh tj watts said something very i thought very telling he said i tried to do too much today well don't try to do too much do what your job says that's what it is they did they all did what they needed to do and that's what i think was the biggest problem for the cleveland browns 
Well, the kudos to them and kudos to Coach Dunbar and you know uh, for for getting them. That to me, see, I'm I, I watched the game in the trenches. My son was a lineman. Right. I had a, the you know, I had the pleasure of coaching him in high school, and he and I both. Matter of fact, he's probably listening to you right now. So hi, son. Uh, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> we watched the game in the trenches, and that to me was the biggest improvement I've seen thus far this year team-wise, not just on defense. But uh, the last thing, offensive line. I see them progressing well. Yes, I see them as the key to success for the rest of the season, you know, short of everybody staying healthy. Uh, where do you see this? Where do you see those guys going? Well, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, this is what this is what I kind of prefaced at, at the way, way back beginning of the preseason was that if you were going to get this offensive line going, it was going to take about six weeks. I mean, that was what I put the the time marker on it, and they have they, they they've answered the call. It's taken about six weeks for them to get into a rhythm to feel comfortable with each other, to know each other good enough to where you don't have to over-communicate anymore, that you can kind of give each other a look, a little hand signal that you made up, and you can go. And I think that's kind of one of the big things. So I think they're going to only continue to get better as a unit. Um, the more reps that Kendrick Green gets, the more reps that Dan Moore Jr. gets, um, in general, makes them better. But – you know, as a unit, every rep they get together as a, as a starting five is going to make this unit go even further. And we see it evidenced by how often we're running the ball, right, Wolf? I right. Mean, when you're getting those 20-plus attempts for Najee, that's a good thing. When Najee is more running back than scat back, that means everything is working in coordinates with each other, that you don't have to disguise it to get him the ball because you're getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. These guys are moving guys off the ball. And they're creating those lanes for Najee to where it makes it easy for Matt Canada to say, no, we're not running a screen here for Najee at this point. We're not running the swing pass for him um, as much to get him the ball because we could hand it off and put it in his belly and good things are going to happen because those, those five guys out front are getting their job done. You know, I go back to this, Tim. If you take a look at that counter trap that, that Najee scored on, he, right? he airmailed himself into the end zone from four yards out, okay? Look at the counter traps in the first few games and see the difference. See how uh, Trey Turner, okay, Trey Turner blocked to it uh, down inside on a guy inside there. He didn't let a whisker of penetration get through. All right, Kendrick Green blocked back on Mal Malik McDowell, I think it was, or Malik Jackson, one of the two. And you know what? He blocked back, and it was like a wall of China there. He just simply – did not allow any penetration. Dan Moore sat down to make sure there was no backside penetration and picked up Miles Garrett. On the front side, you got Kevin Dotson widening the hole with a great trap block that would look like it, it had enough G's for, for Kevin to run into a car, like a car crash. All right? Uh, you had uh, Chooks on the front side. Didn't need the double team because the guy played inside eye on, on Trey Turner, so he went right up to the linebacker, put him on skates, Malcolm Smith, all the way to the goal line. That's a great job of blocking from, from the first guy to the last guy as the Friermuth was the trailer on that. And he comes up and he puts a body on a second-level body. Um, that's just 
to me, that's the growth, and that play, it encapsulates all the differences where, you know, Kendrick had some back block issues earlier uh, on, on uh, when he'd blocked back, okay? You had Trey Turner, eh, a little bit too much penetration. Chooks, not enough on the double team or getting off on the second level. Well, they all improved. They all looked like they were right on cue. It was a great job from, from Dotson at the trap to Fryermuth as the trailer. Yeah, it was. And that back block and that down block, those are the, the penetration uh, deterrents on that play or what make that play go. But, you know, not that the other ones don't factor in either. Uh, but that, yeah, that was that, that was as clean of a counter trap that I've seen them run, like you said. Absolutely. Hey, if that group comes along and it allows Ben to be more of a game manager like he was when he played with you, Max, Ben was a game manager back then when you won your uh, yeah. Super Bowl 40. He wasn't expected to, uh, I think Stan Sabrin or Charlie the other day said, he's not expected to go out and put the cape on every uh, uh, every time they go out to play a game anymore. He's got other people that he needs to lean on at his juncture of his career. So if that line, that line is going to be the telltale uh, you know, success piece for Ben to be that game manager. And if he becomes a game manager and they stay healthy, I'll tell you what, don't count them out. The sky's the limit. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a Steelers fan. I'm, I'm taking a look at that as, as a, uh, from the perspective of, uh, of a coach. Absolutely, you know? Tim. we got to run. Thank you so much for your call, brother. Great call. Love your show, guys. Hey, please call back Thanks, sometime, uh, okay? Don't be a stranger to the locker room. We appreciate you. You guys take care. God bless. All right. God bless, man. All right. It's Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. We'll be back with more right after this. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You're back in the locker room. And I, we were just talking off the air, and I just, I, I got I to gotta say, Max, um, I'm looking so forward to the season premiere. I think it's the ninth season or eighth season. I can't remember. Uh, the Curse of Oak Island. You know, the Lagina brothers out there, up in Nova Scotia, with this 270-year-old mystery, was there treasure left on on on, on uh, Oak Island? I don't know. It's but it's intriguing. And when they left off last year, they found a a uh, ton of 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 silver that was soluble in some of the wells they dug up. Uh, it's interesting to me what's going to happen coming tonight. Yeah, no, I mean you know you have to think that they are on the verge of finding something. Um, you know, whether it was actual treasure or, like you said, if it's actual mine, a mining facility um, that was there in the island. So, no, I'm excited, you know, because, I, listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a history channel guy at night. Right. You know, history, history Science Discovery Channel, the occasional Food Network show. Um, you know, that that's my evenings when I'm not watching football and I'm just trying to decompress and just, you know, right. chillax, right? Right. Because during the waking hours and, and the sunlit hours, it's football. It's either college or it's pro football all day, every day. So at nighttime, I like to unwind. Right. And yes. Oak Island, Expedition Unknown, you know, are, are the shows that I, I tend to go towards. Maybe even a little bit of Ancient Aliens. Um, 
but you know those are those are those are the go-to. So I I will be tuning in this evening as well. We'll, we'll compare notes tomorrow. See what we got yes. going on. They got to dig up something this year. I'm getting crazy watching that thing. You know, go back to site 56. <laughs> that, that's your best success. No, right I there. think C one, C one. No, I'm oh, sorry. C, okay, C one. Okay. Yeah, okay. that that's that's. I think they got something there. Okay, we got to get back to the phones, and of course, uh, we got Eddie in Virginia Beach. Eddie, welcome into the locker room. And by the way, are you a Curse of Oak Island fan? No, sir. I do not watch it. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. All right, come ahead, Eddie. What do you got, brother? How you guys doing today? Doing okay. Can't complain. Doing fabulous. You That's know? great. From what I understand, from what I understand with the Mark Ingram trade, right? He was, they had they had reports out that he was saying that he he feel that he's better than um what's his name the outside other like Alex Highsmith, right? And Highsmith, yeah. 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 He feels that he said he feels that he's better than him and he should be starting. Yeah, I had a feeling, Max. You can chime in on this. You know, when I heard of the little disgruntlement that was uh, kind of surfacing, and you you only hear, you know, uh, little stuff. You don't hear much because we can't be around the players. But um, I had a right. feeling that, that uh, he was one of those guys that, that thought uh, he needed more playing time and was going to get more playing time. And I'm sorry, but he's not better than Alex Highsmith. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's, it's a tough road. I thought before you signed the contract, he already knew that was what, what was going down before you signed the contract. Well, no, when you sign the contract, it's you have a right to compete. I mean, that that's the reason why you bring him in because he was probably under the auspice, hey, I get to compete for one of the outside linebacker positions. Obviously, we know T.J. Watt is is uh, the starter on one end. So, you know, there there's an open nothing. You know, you kind of get that 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 type of edict that says nothing set in stone, right? That's usually the the precursor. There's opportunity here for you, and I'm pretty sure that Mel, you know, early on was like, okay, you know, I might be able to take this guy, you know, overtake the position. But then when you get the injury, he plays more. Now Mel Ingram feels even more empowered. Like, hey, listen, I'm playing all these snaps. You guys did not anticipate me playing all these snaps. Um, I should be starting, and then when Alex does get healthy, like you said, Alex gets on a roll, right? He gets his first sack. He's getting t- t- tackles for loss. And I thought, you know, not starting him was there's a possibility for trade, but I'm sure you held out hope. Like maybe if Alex didn't play well against the Browns, we'd pull back that that bait and put it in, reinsert um, the rotation for Mel Ingram. But I think it was uh, it was telling once, you know, especially when Alex made that play from the backside. Yeah. Um, that rundown. Dynamite. It was like, Ooh. no, he's the starter. And then when Taco Charlton came in, because they had one formation where they actually went with three outside backers and two down linemen. Yes. Um, so it was like, oh, wow. Okay, so this is what the nickel looks like. And Taco Charlton is a taller guy, and he made a play. And you're like, okay, we might be actually be able to do this. And I think that kind of sealed the deal for Mel Ingram was that, you know, hey – you're a support player. These are the two guys we're rolling with, TJ and Alex. And then your job is to fit in as that third piece. Yep. You know, you're not going to be the top two piece. You're going to be a top three piece. Now, I think yeah. Melvin, after being healthy, kind of was like, no, I, I, I need to be a starter. I've shown I can play starting snaps, so I want to be a starter. I think that's kind of yeah. what made it mutually easy to trade him. But what I looked at when um, Ingram was hurt, he didn't do that much impressive to me anyway. So it's a win-win situation. 
Well, I think it's ending up as a win-win. I thought uh, Melvin showed some pretty good run-stopping capabilities. I liked how they rushed from the inside when they went three linebackers. That was an interesting twist to, you know, what they had. But is he better than Alex Highsmith? No. Uh-uh. No. You know, with the upside of that kid coming on, that kid's got a lot of a lot of upwards growth to make. And he has it? vitamin yeah. Y. Vitamin Y means youth. <laughs> He yes. vitamin youth on his side as well. <laughs> Anything else, Brother Eddie? No. Hey, dude, but this is the one I used to call y'all all the time about the Pennsylvania situation, about how Steelers Pittsburgh got their nickname. Oh, yeah. How you doing? Good to hear you. I'm, I'm doing fine. I'll be calling in much more. Very good. We'll look forward to hearing from you, okay? All right. Thank you. I have a blessed day. You too, Eddie. You thank too. you so much. All Let's right, go. Too. Let's see. All we right. got – what's that? Oh, I thought the ninjas were were poking into my ear there, giving me something. But no, we got time. We got time. Let's go to CR in uh, Chicago. We got uh, CR, and I believe Juan is probably on with them. You guys there? Hey, hey, good morning, man. CR, sitting next to Chicago, and that would be you, Juan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. You guys got to get your cues down. Come on. Are you there, Juan? <laughs> okay, I think we well, lost Juan, well, so you got to roll. You got to roll here, uh, CR. Okay. On your right, own. Uh, uh, first of all, Coach T uh, uh, is tied with uh, uh, Bill Cowher for second place behind Chuck Noll, number one. Uh, number two, uh, in Cleveland, they've been bashing the Browns for being uh, they're not ready for primetime players. <laughs> That's on the on the, uh, on the Cleveland sh- uh, shadow uh, uh, station. Uh, number three, Big Ben. Is the Dodgers player of the week for 31 October. He was 22 or 34, 65%, 266 yards, one TD, no interception, and uh, the passing rating of 98.4. But his biggest thing was um, when he hit um, uh, uh, the wide receiver. Uh, Deontay. And, Deontay. Yep. Yeah, Deontay for 53 yards. And then uh, uh, I also want to get a shout-out to Garrett. Hey, welcome to the, to the crew, Garrett. Appreciate you being in the background, brother. There you go. And then – and uh, uh, Max, I was also looking at your record-setting blocks in the Super Bowl Fifty or Forty. Uh, but the reason you don't get that credit that, that you so rightly deserve is because everybody is looking at um, the block by Fanica. Comment. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Allen Allen threw out an amazing block because you know the biggest thing is as an offensive line coming right to left. I have to seal the double team and put him on Kendall, right? Put the D tackle on Kendall before I can climb up to the to the linebacker. But the the, you know, the linchpin is when Allen pulls, there's one support guy left, and Allen has to blast that guy out to create the width of that lane, and then after that, you know, Willie can follow. So I mean, you know, each one's just as important, right? Because yeah. I'm setting one wall, he sets the other wall. Um, you know, for for Willie's uh, lane to run, but I think you know when you look at it, I mean, it's it's Allen's Allen's block, it's Heath's block on the D end by himself solo, and then Hines Hines for bringing with his motion and not having to touch anybody. He brought two safeties over yeah. <laughs> with, with him just running across the formation. That's so, a great point, and, th- th- and that's the beauty of a great play is that when everybody does their job you know, and does it to the best of their ability, great things happen. And, you know, Willie, 
Willie did the rest, right? Because Willie needed the Jets, and those Jets came out, and that's the reason why FWP was born. Fast Willie Parker uh, yeah, was he, born he was, on that day. <laughs> it wasn't he, Benny he wasn't and the touch. Jets. It was Willie and the Jets. Yeah. And he wasn't touched either. You know, and you had to climb uh, from the line. You had to climb up to, to get the, on the second level. That's where you made your block at. And, and finally, yeah. I want to I want to ask you, Max. Um, have you uh, have you noticed or have you had the opportunity to watch the Netflix program called Colin in Black and White? I you know it just popped up last night when I was uh, when I was going through uh, some of my work on my computer. I saw it pop up, but I was like, that's one that I want to actually sit and watch yeah. where I'm not distracted. You can't play that as a distracted one, but it no. does look very interesting. I watched the trailer for it. I, it is going to be in my rotation soon. Yeah. I appreciate that, and I really want to get some insight uh, from you on that. So, hey, guys, we've got other people in there. I really appreciate you guys. Hey, and again, Garrett, hey, come on, brother. You can do it. Fourth generation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, in the meantime and in between time, who rides? We, we ride. ride. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, CR. We appreciate you. And, that you know, that's a big thing. Uh, we're going to go to break here, but um, – Max, you know that down block? People don't realize you got to get and body out that man. If you let him have a whisker of penetration, that run don't come. That run does no, it, not it, come, man. It does not, man. And and that 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 that's the best part about it. I mean, you know, what what made Red was so good was he could move in space and give you such a give anybody such a hard um place to knife underneath because of his inside out positioning. And, uh, you know, he was one of the best at it. I mean, and Chris, Chris, I will say, Allen had the skill and technique, but Juicy was the hammer. Yeah. I mean, if Juice hits you, Ooh. you didn't know if that guy was going to get up or not <laughs> when he did hit him. But the problem was Juicy had one speed and one direction. If you got on the tracks, you were in trouble. But if you just stepped right off the tracks, you <laughs> – yeah, fly. <laughs> Steve Corson was the same way in my day. You know, people would just people would fly. He 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 drill people. But Juicy, I remember him when he trapped the Jets. Uh, one one guy, it was just a tremendous blow. I mean, that guy was he he was something, no doubt about well, it. Well, the Cardinals game, he was uh, when, when he was at the middle wedge when you could still wedge. Right. He hit the guy coming in to blow up the wedge so hard the dude got up and went to our sideline. <laughs> And sat on our bench. Oh, that'll tell they you everything to, you need to know. It, it, it was when we opened the Cardinal Stadium. I'll never forget in the preseason. Wow. I was like, oh, my God. He knocked him unconscious that the dude thought he played for us. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a little rough. Hey, Dave that's from California, stay tuned. We're going to be right back after this. You got Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room. We'll be back. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Man, you know, I'm looking at the TV, Max, and they, a little earlier they had a Popeye's commercial on, and now they just had a KFC with their 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 fried chicken sandwich. Which you oh, like, man. Yeah. I, You know, I like both of them. They both look really good. I don't know why so, I'm so hungry right now. Maybe it's because I'm eating stupid keto snacks instead of having a good sawdust. fried chicken sandwich. You're eating sawdust, Wolf. <laughs> that is what you're doing. You're eating sawdust. So anything with flavor is going to appeal to you in this moment. Um, Boy, they what? both I, look flavorful. I, I, I'm a Popeye's guy. I like the spices in Popeye's. Okay. You know, 
And I now, granted, I have not had the KFC chicken sandwich. I have had the Popeyes chicken sandwich, and it is delish. I think you and I need to go. We we need to have a taste testing. Yes, there you go. Taste testing weekend. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get back to the phones. We got Dave from California. Dave, you're in the locker room. And by the way, are you a KFC or a Popeyes guy, or like Max and I, both? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Uh, I have to go with the Popeyes one. I haven't had the KFC one, but they advertise the big, juicy. It looks so big in the. Well, it does. It does. I think, yes. uh, I think we all got to go taste testing. <laughs> well, yes. A little taste testing. I like that. What do you got for us, but, brother? Uh, uh, just real quick. So I'm always hungry when I listen to you guys. You guys got that effect <laughs> on the listeners. Mission accomplished. But I wanted to – yeah, yeah. So I wanted to uh, just tell a quick story. Uh, in, like, 2011, my wife uh, gifted me a trip out to Pittsburgh, and we – went to our first game, and it was Thursday night against the Browns, and that's when Debo put that hit on Colt McCoy. I'm sure you guys remember Oh, that, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, watching uh, Boz take that hit, it kind of reminded me of, of it a little bit, unfortunately. But that game, uh, like I said, was my first game, and one of the other fans gave me a gold, like a gold parking ticket. It got me into the players' lot. And after the game, uh, Max, you came walking out, and uh, I introduced myself to you and told you good game and everything. And uh, you ended up – I told my wife, like, hey, this, at the time I believe you were the biggest biggest guy in the NFL, right? Uh, that, yeah, because Jonathan push? Ogden retired, thank God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gave me a shot at that title. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you have or not, but I'm surprised you guys haven't uh, touched on that yet. But I just wanted to say uh, you hopped in like a – the smallest car I've ever seen, man. Like a little tiny Mercedes Coupe, I think it was. As I said, oh, it was a Mini Cooper. Mini a Mini Cooper. Cooper. No. Yes. I was in a Mini Cooper, you know, because it was, uh, you know, our my dealership, you know, we, we sell Mini Coopers. So I was like, I got, I got have to, I, ha- I have to sponsor the brand and be loyal because I'm like, this thing actually has way more space than I thought it was, we would have. So, you know, I was out there brand yeah, advertising. Right. But, yeah, no, that Mini Cooper was awesome. In other words, it was riding a real life go kart. You know, Dave. In other words, he wore the car instead of rode in the car. (laughs) That is true. That is true. (laughs) Well, uh, this last thing is, uh, you know, I've been listening to you guys for years. Uh, You guys are great. I can tell this is going to be a good thing. Uh, You guys can only like get better, and hopefully, uh, Cr and Juan can get their stuff together too. Yeah, they do. Somehow they Sierra uh, lost his road dog Juan right, right at the, the yeah, opening yeah. of their of their uh, their bit. So anyhow, but might, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. Guys. Yeah. Absolutely, Dave. Appreciate they you checking in the ninjas. locker room, brother. Yeah, they do right, need ninjas. You know, Max. <laughs> one of the most important things that was accomplished, I thought, uh, in the game the other day was you know when you look at two teams that between the two of them they got ten takeaways. I mean, five apiece. It's the battle of the non-takeaway takeaways. You know, both teams not prolific in taking the ball away, but boy, did the Steelers come through. The two big ones in my mind were, of course, Joe Schobert stripping the Landry, but also the fact that Minka dislodged the ball from Landry on that fourth and 12 uh, as well. I mean, that was a big, big play. Yeah, the turnover on downs is always huge, and that's the one stat that doesn't, you know, get kind of highlighted enough. 
um, as a takeaway for the defense because, like you said, what's the ensuing thing that can happen after that play? The opposing offense comes on the field. So it, in, in essence, counts as a takeaway. It's exactly. just as good as a fumble or an interception where you turn them over. I mean, just like blocking a field goal, right, is, is a stat. You don't have a turnover on down stat, really. And I think that's something that when you look at it like, oh, officially it's only one turnover. I'm like, no, it was two turnovers in that game. And both of them were at huge moments, especially on the plus side of the field, like where they're, they're in the Steelers' territory and you turn them away. And especially in a 15-10 game, that's humongous because a touchdown uh, turns it the other direction. And they turned them away twice. They did indeed. And, you know, it's amazing because they say that Joe Schobert remembers doing that in practice. And uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, when he was with the Cleveland Browns, and he stripped Jarvis Landry one time in practice with it. And and Landry eventually or said after the game, I'm not surprised it was Schobert because it's happened before. You know, for him to get settled in finally and we see some of the big bigger play capabilities that Schobert's capable of doing, I came comes along at a good needy time, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it couldn't have been more perfect of a timing and considering also the timing for the defense, right? Because the defense is starting to find their flow. They're starting to find their groove, right? You know who you are playing with. You know who you've got. Whereas kind of, you know, you're still kind of wishful thinking on a couple of guys like, hey, maybe they'll show up. But guys are now like, nope, this is my role. And when a play needs to happen, I need to take it on myself as opposed to waiting for somebody else. I think that's kind of when we look at the three losses, it looked like they were looking for someone else to make the play. That's interesting. As opposed to to saying, you know what, I'm going to go make the play. The opportunity presents itself. I'm going to take it. And I think that's what you see. You see a lot more guys knifing at balls. A lot more guys like trying to be more intent on making the tackle. That was the other thing we were worried about, right? Coming right. The, out of the bye was how's perimeter tackling going to look. And I thought it was a lot cleaner in this game. And there was a lot more sure tackles in this game on the perimeter. Because think about this. You're trying to also tackle big dudes because you had three tight ends. Right. Out there in routes uh, consistently. And it's like, you know, if, you, if you're a poor tackling team, that's a tough, that's a tough task. Like, not only to try and hit a moving target, but then hit a bigger target than yourself. And I thought they did a great job of really honing in and being playing within themselves as opposed to kind of trying to make the splash play and, you know, taking the extra step like, like, um, like, like Bradley talked about where, you know, take the extra step to face that guy up to make the tackle. I thought they did an excellent job of that. And then, you know, good things happen when everybody's intent on doing their job to the best of their abilities. Well, three things that I think that or a couple things that coming out of this game in my mind offensively. One of the things that's interesting was again the fifty-fifty balance between run pass. That's as close as it's been all year. Terrific stuff. I love it. The other thing is the multiple tight end formation rather than going with the eleven personnel. I mean, they've been going eleven personnel nearly eight out of ten plays. You know, eighty percent of the time they're in that. 11 personnel and I love the fact that they got in a lot more multiple tight end whether it was two or three what have you um each these guys they bring special opportunities and benefits with them and I would even say this you know Eric Ebron gets uh gets healthy I say you know what call him what he is a wide receiver and play him do you ever hear of Harold Carmichael you know six foot eight Harold Carmichael wasn't the fastest oh, yeah. guy in the world, but you know what? 
six eight is six twelve. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I I look at that and I say, Dad Gummit, you know, I mean, that's something that you can use to your advantage and take the very best of what Ebron brings. And I you know, if you have to bring Kevin Radar, if you want to go a third tight end, and you've got Derek Watt as a possible third tight end, whether it's H back, yeah. you know, what have you. But there's a lot of other things they could do. And by the way, Kevin Rader may well be the best run-blocking tight end on the roster. All right? Uh, Gentry is, is definitely giving him a run for his money. But I'll say Zach does a great job, especially of pass protection as well. But certainly, I, I would say, you know, Ebron can get out there, and, and that's a tough matchup for anybody. Well, yeah, and that's something I, you know, I've been preaching the last couple of weeks was I saw him. I saw him as a wide receiver. Right. Don't even attach him to to the formation, or if you want to bring him in and then flex him out, you know, on a shift. But you know, Eric Ebron, you know, like J- Jimmy Graham, right? Jimmy Graham's another prime example. That's of that a great point in current times because Jimmy was not a great block, but boy, if you put him in the red zone and you lined him up split out, uh, that that he was going to do a job. There's another guy we, we treat him like Voldemort in in NFL history that played for the Patriots and also was a Florida alumni. But he was a guy that you wanted to flex out. Um, you didn't want him blocking. You didn't want him being in there. That was Gronk's job. But this right. other tight end was just as good. You know, we'll just call him Baron Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, Baron Hernandez. Got it. That's All right. What, that's what his name rhymes with. But, yeah, th- I, I would love to see that because I think that – Gives you some versatility, but plus also gives you a lot more 50-50 jump ball capabilities, right? You said height is height, and guaranteed none of those guys on the defense have that height. If they're that tall, they're, they have their hand in the dirt. <laughs> I got you. Well, I think we both would agree on that. Ebron still has reps to contribute. I just think it's how they go about it. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. You got the Mike Tomlin press conference coming up, and we'll, we'll be back tomorrow. It's Max. It's uh, the new ninjas, and it's me, and we'll be back after this Tomlin press conference. See you, Max.